Good morning. If we haven't met, my name is Sam McLaughlin, and I'm the senior pastor here at Bellmead, and we're so glad that you're here to worship with us today. If you didn't fill out that yellow visitor card yet, we would love for you to fill out Fill it out and hand it to us on your way out, and we have a gift for you that includes a goo-goo cluster, so you want it. And if you're online, we wanna say a special welcome to you again as well. Uh, Before I get started today, I wanna let you know what's coming up in August, because believe it or not, August 1st is on Tuesday. And so next week, we begin our new sermon series called Be Well. And so in August, we're, we're focusing on wellness, through uh, different aspects of wellness, physical, spiritual, mental, and communal. So I'm really excited for us to talk about our own well-being and how that radiates and affects our communities, our homes, our families, uh, our church. Uh, there's a couple of things that we're gonna let to invite you to do during the month of August, uh, during this Be Well series. One is uh, each week we're gonna give you a Be Well Bellmead calendar. Uh, Rachel has put this together with two different ways for you to, um, two different activities to engage in wellness for each day. If you're a, a challenge person, this is a challenge <laughs> and you can win. So uh, take a calendar on your way out today. We're gonna have one for you every single week so you just keep up with them week by week. And there's a hashtag, Be Well Bellmead. We would love for you to take pictures um, or use that hashtag, and then we'll have some winners each week. If you're not a challenge person, this is just an invitation uh, to be well this month. We're also going to have some Be Well notes, like blank notes that we can send to one another in the church and just uh, say hello, send a note of care. And uh, we're going to have small groups, uh, interest groups this month. And so uh, we're really focusing on how we can connect our church family to one another, get to know new people. And so we're going to have a dinner. We're going to have a couple of dinner groups, a walking group, a book group, and a baking group. Uh, More groups to come, but we hope that you'll look out for those next week and engage in those. And as Gracie mentioned, uh, this is the time when a lot of things are kicking back up. So we want you to try choir, uh, children or adult. Come to the ice cream social on the 13th. We've already got nine people who are making homemade ice cream. Uh, We need about 11 more. And then um, Wednesday night dinners will start back on August 16th. So please pay attention to all that and come be well and be engaged. Uh, Before all of that today, we're concluding our series on the Beatitudes. As we've looked at these Beatitudes in Matthew and in Luke, we've talked about um, the state of blessedness that we can acquire. We are blessed when we allow ourselves to grieve. We are blessed when this uh, end of the rope state of being pushes us to finally depend on God instead of ourselves. We're blessed when we are gentle and kind and tender in an often harsh world. We are blessed when we hunger and we strive for righteousness to create a more just society for all. The two that uh, we are skipping, didn't have the time to really examine as much, are blessed are the merciful and blessed are the pure in heart, but surely they are wrapped up into all of these lessons. And today we're looking at blessed are the peacemakers, as Gracie had talked about, uh, for they will be called children of God. I wanna remind you that uh, this is our context in Matthew when we're talking about the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter four, Jesus goes into the wilderness where he is tested and as he leaves the wilderness, he comes out preaching this line, repent for the kingdom of God is near. 
He then goes and calls his first disciples and then begins his healing ministry. At the end of Matthew chapter four, we're told that people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and those paralyzed. Just imagine all of these people coming forward to be healed by Jesus. And it's because of these healings that we're then told that large crowds from all of these other cities, Galilee and Jerusalem and Judea and all across the, uh, the area of Jordan came to follow him. And so it's with all of that in mind that Matthew chapter five begins with this Sermon on the Mountain. It says, now when Jesus saw these crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down and his disciples came to him and he began to teach them so Jesus is really primarily talking to these disciples who are going to follow him. Now, uh, what's interesting is if you continue to, to zoom out, I've asked you to, to read uh, Matthew chapters five through seven. I'm not gonna do a show of hands, okay? So it's okay if you didn't do it. But if you get to the end of seven, right after his teaching, you see that Jesus immediately goes back to healing and so here, Jesus has kind of given us this rhythm of discipleship. What we do to pick up his ministry, it's to preach and to teach and to heal, to preach and to teach and to heal, to live into this rhythm. Now, as we think about what it might be to be a peacemaker, uh, necessarily that requires that we do something, that there's action because we are making peace I think it's also helpful that we look at the way peace is presented to us throughout the Bible. So starting in Genesis chapter one, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was supposed to be funny. <laughs> starting in Isaiah, uh, we see this phrase that says, seek peace and pursue it. This phrase is actually repeated in 1 Peter as well. Seek peace and pursue it. So that tells me that some of us may naturally be peaceful people and we're able to live out of that peace. But most of us probably are seeking peace, trying to pursue it and trying to acquire it. Of course, in Isaiah, we're also told about a coming king who we believe is Jesus, who will be called this wonderful counselor, this prince of peace. Uh, we see this in Luke chapter one, when we hear about Zachariah, who was promised a son in his old age. And because he didn't believe the angel, he was silenced. And when he can finally sing again, he sings about this Jesus who is coming to be a light in the darkness, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And so we're following Jesus as we seek to live in, on this path of peace. In his own ministry, after Jesus healed people, he would often say to them, look at all these healing stories, the same phrase, go in peace. And we've experienced that in our lives, right? When we've encountered Jesus, when we've been healed by him, that we leave in a different state of well-being. We leave in peace. In John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, as Jesus is about to leave his disciples and, and be crucified and resurrected, he says to them, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. You know, don't be worried about this world, don't be troubled because I have overcome it. When he returned to his disciples after his death, particularly in the book of John, he says that very same phrase. He appears often through doors or unexpectedly and he says, peace be with you. 
When we look at uh, other examples of scripture where we see about making peace with others. We have an example here in Mark chapter nine when he's talking about being the salt of the earth. And he says, have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. Uh, This phrase, have salt or share salt, it was a call to gather around the table together, as Jesus often gave us this example. And, And you know, we also find that to be true in our lives, that there can be frustration or discord in our households, but when we come back together for a meal, uh, we're able to live ourselves into a place of peace. Uh, Romans, Colossians, Galatians, all of these letters, they say things like, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. So we're looking for peace and mutually uh, iron sharpening iron with other fellow neighbors. Um, We hear, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace. We know that peace is one of the fruit of the spirit. And then I love in these last three examples that um, it really talks about how you can have a peace of mind. Doesn't everybody want peace of mind? Isaiah says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. So if we stay steadfast in God, if we find our way to recenter and recalibrate and come back to him, we have this place of perfect peace in our minds. Philippians 4, which I think you know, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And James chapter 3, I think James read the Beatitudes and then wrote this verse of scripture. It says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, and full of mercy. He says, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And so as Gracie said, we're trying to be those peacemakers who sow peace into the world, into our families, into our communities, and reap a harvest of righteousness. Now, of course, we have to talk about how do we get to that state of mind? How do we get to that place of peace internally? And so we have to naturally think about our practices, our spiritual disciplines. Uh, For me in my life, this has morphed over the years of how I've been able to create and craft peace in my life. At one point, at one season, I lived alone in a cabin in the woods. And for me, I could find peace from solitude and looking at the stars and journaling and and writing. Uh, When I was in divinity school, it was quiet mornings in the chapel or going to worship with a bunch of um, diverse backgrounds. Um, At times, it's been hiking or music or reading the Psalms. At very, very small times, it's been meditation. (laughs) Right now for me, Uh, It's waking up at 5.40, like the alarm is set on that. Monday through Friday, 5.40, I wake up in the house. Nobody else is awake, and I kind of quietly move around and slip out the front door as I head to my exercise class. And as I get in my car and I drive down Highway 100, it's like a scene from a utopia. You know, the sun is rising, and there's pink and purple across the sky, and birds are chirping, and I'm not kidding, there's deer always out in this one long field that is full of sunflowers as the dew is rising off the wet grass. And I get there to my class and there are no demands, there's no one to care for, there's no one talking to me, there's no one asking anything of me. I'm just in a place of peace. And I get back in the car and I drive home and I'm ready 
I'm steady, I'm grounded for the day. You know what I'm talking about because you've developed these practices for yourself. And if you haven't, this is the reminder that we are trying to be people of peace. And we're trying to take that peace that we've crafted and cultivated in these moments and strategically sort of dispense it in sacred intervals throughout our day so that if someone comes to us in a frustrated and agitated state, we don't join them in that. We come from a peaceful, grounded state. If you don't have a practice yet, I'm gonna give you one, and all you have to do to do it is breathe. And since everybody breathes, I think we can do this one together. So a couple of years ago, a colleague um, gave me this breath prayer, and it is breathe in the peace of Christ and breathe out the chaos within. Breathe in the peace of Christ. Breathe out the chaos within. I like that prayer because it allows me to acknowledge that sometimes my interior is chaotic. And when I breathe out, I feel like I am actually releasing that chaos. Maybe for you today, it's more about how to make peace with God or how to make peace with yourself or how to make peace with your neighbors. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 27, we're actually told that God says, let them come to me for refuge and let them make peace with me. I've been thinking about from all the things that I hear in pastoral uh, care visits, how maybe it's, it's not God we need to make peace with. It's what we've been taught about God that we need to make peace with. You know, maybe you're somebody who's been holding on to something that you're mad at God about and you feel like God caused that. Or maybe you had an upbringing that was difficult and you wanted God to intervene in a way that God did not. Maybe you were taught to believe that God is vengeful and frightening. But Isaiah said God is a place of refuge. Uh, when we think about this part of our verse that says, uh, you will be called children of God, the image that I see is a child like nestling up to their parent in the safety and the peace of their arms. And to me, that's the image of God that we're talking about. You can make peace with God, be at peace with God as you come close, as, as God is your hiding place and your refuge. Perhaps today you are someone who is trying to make peace with something you have done to someone else, a wrong that you have committed. You are ruminating over this mistake that has uh, caused strife in your life or strife with your family. Maybe today you need the peace of Christ to burst into your life in like a mighty and merciful way. And I wanna say that it's one thing um, if you haven't acknowledged that mistake or tried to make amends, but it's another if like you've investigated what happened and you have sought to make amends and you've changed your behavior and you're seeking to live a different life, that is the moment when it's good to be reminded that you can let it go, that you can lay it down, that you're allowed to be fully present in your life right now and you're allowed to be hopeful for your future. Make peace with yourself. Or maybe today you really wanna focus on how to make peace with other people. And when it comes to other people, I think we have to admit that sometimes we try to keep the peace instead of speak up with our true and honest 
feelings, right? Just don't say anything. Don't make a scene. It'll roll off your shoulder or your back, whatever that expression is. Most of the time, it does not, right? (laughs) But when it comes to our closest friends and families and workplaces, uh, we are not really keeping the peace by not saying anything. We are stuffing things down. We are numbing out because something is difficult. We are stifling an opportunity for growth because we are afraid. We're afraid to hurt someone's feelings. We're afraid we won't be received or understood. We have not really kept the peace, and we have certainly not created peace. We have fabricated peace. And as most of us know, that fabrication only lasts for so long until like the seams rip and somebody explodes or erupts in anger. You know, somehow we have to retrain ourselves to believe that voicing our most honest thoughts and feelings is not conflict. There might be tension, it might feel awkward, there might be discomfort, but we cannot have real relationship if we do not show up uh, as our whole self. If we try to present as a, a shell of ourselves, it is fake peace. Now, of course, the more that we practice cultivating this peace internally, the more we can show up better in relationships. Like, we are trying to live out of this peace reservoir that we've created. Being honest doesn't mean we're harsh and rude and vindictive. We can show up emotionally healthy, trying to discuss things in a productive way, centered and constructive. And to me, this is why peace has the power to permeate everything. It's why peace has the power to change the world. It may seem childlike to even say that out loud, but when we sing and we pray for peace on earth, we believe it because we as the people of God are people of ideals. We are people of aspirations. We are people of hope. And Romans 12 tells us, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We know that peace can begin within our own hearts and our own homes. This week, as I looked uh, at the background of this hymn, Let There Be Peace on Earth, it has such an interesting history that I want to share with you. It was written by Jill Jackson Miller and Cy Miller, but it really, the story began with Jill and her own personal experience in 1944. Uh, She talks about how she attempted to take her life and did not succeed. And she said, after that experience, for the first time in her life, she felt the unconditional love of God, totally accepted, totally loved, just the way that she was. And she believed in that moment that God did not allow her to die, that she had entered like this moment of eternal truth where she knew she was loved and that she was here for a purpose. And it was that moment that catapulted her into the rest of her life, this long life of exploring her relationship with God. That's how she discovered her love for writing and began to write songs and later met Cy Miller and married him. And so she says, in 1955, she wrote the lyrics for Let There Be Peace on Earth. Her husband, Cy, wrote the melody, and they introduced it at a California retreat to a group of teenagers who are from a variety of religious backgrounds. 
They said, one summer evening in 1955, 180 teenagers met at this workshop high in the California mountains, educating one another, developing friendships, and working for peace. They stood in a circle, and they locked arms, and they sang, let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with me. And when they came down from that mountain, They inspired people all across the state and all across the country and eventually all across the world because they believed that this peace could work in them and then radiate out everywhere else. And you know, I can't help but think that that was Jesus's hope up there on that mountain, that his disciples would hear this teaching and that they would leave knowing that it could radiate their communities. And I hope that at the end of this series on the Beatitudes, you have heard these things that have inspired you to grieve, to depend on God, to be kind and gentle, to hunger and thirst for righteousness and justice, to be merciful, to seek pureness of heart, and to make peace. Now let us, the people of God, go to make this a reality in the world. May it be so. Amen.